power. We look at our health from a perspective that gives reverence to the source of our being. We impart there are five pillars to wellness. Spiritual, mindset, nutrition, lifestyle, and environment. Now, today is a kind of a unique day. We've been talking about this issue. You maybe heard about the, the hearings today in Abuja regarding vaccination, the mandatory vaccination bill, the infectious disease bill, and the other names that you'll hear being called over the next uh, long. We want to understand what is going on. A bit of history, a bit of inside, behind the scenes, and we have probably the best person to take us on this journey. We have Reverend Tony Akinyemi. He is the chairperson of the organization birth a few weeks ago called No Mandatory Vax Niger. Many of you may have seen the write-up in the newspapers or on the radio. Folks, hello, good afternoon. Hello, good afternoon. Hello, good afternoon. Good afternoon, sir. My name is Tony Akiyami. Can I be on to Dr. Jewelry, please? Tony Akiyami, you're on. We, you're on live. You're on the air. Inspiration FM 92.3. Welcome, sir. Greetings. Oh, great. Super greetings. You're welcome. Good day, sir. We appreciate your taking time out this afternoon. I know you're extremely busy. And even busier recently <laughs> with the coordination of the no mandatory vax Niger. Thank you, sir. All right, just we have about 20 minutes. Take us back a little bit. What triggered this for this organization? The coming together of several civil civil organizations that you're not spearheading. And what happened this week in Abuja? Last week just gone. Well. When we thank you for inviting me and thank you for this opportunity to clarify a number of things regarding vaccination and particularly mandatory vaccination. Um, sometimes recently in Nigeria, uh, two bills were brought to the floors of both the Red and the Green Chambers in Abuja. That's the Senate and the House of Reps. Uh, a proposed bill at the House of Reps and another at the Senate, uh, which were supposed to address some of the gaps in uh, tackling infectious diseases outbreak in Nigeria. Uh, going through those proposed bills, we found some aspects of it that were, I will use the word offensive, in the sense that uh, even though it is a welcome development that we want to review our laws to make them up to date to modern realities, Yes, there were certain aspects of those bills that we considered very draconian, very authoritarian, and which has the possibility of creating a police state in Nigeria if that bill were to pass. And so some of us began to, you know, have a conversation around that proposed bill, and spontaneously quite a number of organizations, you know, began to uh, come together to bring some and to see how we could highlight 
those aspects of the bill that requires uh, either a, a complete uh, uh, revisal or complete removal from the bill or amendment, as the case may be. And so we have the uh, Living Science Foundation uh, at Ilepe. Uh, we have the Rafa Healthy Living Institute in Lagos. We have several other organizations around the nation. We were all able to come together and form a, a common front so we can present a common voice. That's how the no mandatory vaccination Niger movement came about. A common voice, a common front against certain parts of the two bills, one in the red chamber, one in the green chamber. That's right. Narrow us down. What, what were some of the things, particular items that really triggered this convergence of like minds? For example, uh, the powers that were uh, imposed or uh, the powers that were given to whoever would be the DG of the NCDC, that's the Nigerian Center for Disease Control, whoever would be the DG of the NCDC was given so much powers that you would imagine that that person would be like the second president in Nigeria. That person has, for example, will have powers to shut down any gathering anywhere, whether it be religious or commercial or social, any gathering anywhere, if he suspects that one person there could have an infectious disease. And ridiculously, if you look at the list of infectious diseases listed in that bill, malaria is included. Which means that if somebody has malaria within the church service, that church can be shut down because of suspicion of having malaria, according to that bill. That is one. The second one is that the DG is given the power of arrest without warrant. And the DG can quarantine or isolate any such suspect for as long as possible in any part of the country without a court injunction and without a police warrant of arrest. And that person that is so arrested and isolated cannot seek redress in the law court. The powers of the court have been outstayed in that instance. And a building can be shut down on mere suspicion. A building can be, you know, forcefully taken over and converted to an isolation center in the event of a pandemic by the DG, and the owner of the building has no say. It's not about negotiation and voluntary surrender. It's about forceful takeover, and so on and so forth, you know. And then there is the aspect of the DG, you know, forcefully arresting anybody he suspects may be having an infectious disease and subject that person to any kind of test and that person will be forced to pay for those tests, even though the person does not, you know, consent to going through those tests, no matter the nature of the test, the person will be forced to go through the test, the person will be made to pay for the test, and if it is considered in the opinion of the DG that that person needs to be, uh, for example, vaccinated, the person will be forcefully vaccinated. And the DG can also mandate the whole population to be vaccinated in the outbreak of any disease. And anybody then who refuses vaccination then becomes an offender. So that's why we are saying, yes, vaccines have been with us for years. People should be able to exercise their discretion to either accept vaccines or decline vaccines. 
for whatever reason they have. That is our human right. That is our constitutional right. And that should not be infringed upon by giving power to the DG to be able to uh, compel mandatory vaccination for everyone at his whims and caprices. Too much power is vested in the DG and the Honorable Minister of Health. And we are saying that there should be a board that should be overseeing such matters and jointly taking decisions necessary for public health. And that board should be comprised of all stakeholders from all quarters. The Nigerian Medical Association, Labor, I mean, uh, NAFDAQ, and uh, individuals all over the place. All stakeholders should be represented. But that when a decision that affects all of us will be taken, it will not be one man that is taking that decision. It will receive input from everyone who is a stakeholder, uh, their interests represented on the board. That's part of what we are advocating for. This component is to make it a more democratic process for people to be involved in, in decisions regarding who should be vaccinated, how, when, where, the control of that, that powerful office, really. The argument here is too much power has been given to this DG of the um, NCDC, and truly right. stakeholders ought to be involved in the process of decisions have been left out. Which makes me assume, right. therefore, that at the hearings this week, a lot of the stakeholders that you've mentioned were probably present to present their own papers and their own counter-proposals. Yes, I actually listened to uh, some uh, presentations uh, when the hearing began. Uh, I listened to the chairman of Nigerian Governors Forum uh, who made a presentation. He highlighted some of these issues that we have been publishing in newspapers uh, for several weeks before now. I listened to the President of the Nigerian Labour Congress, I listened to the DG of NAVDAC. All of them have been emphasizing and highlighting different aspects of our concern, which we have been highlighting for several weeks from the month of March or thereabouts to now. So, really, there's robust opposition to this component of the bill from states, from the from Labour, and even from another government arm, uh, NAVDAC. That's right. That's right. All right. Because the, the, idea, the idea of vaccines, you know, uh, as you very well know, uh, you are a medical doctor, you are an expert in this area. You are familiar with uh, the, the idea of vaccines not being something that can be mandatorily administered to the entire population due to certain peculiarities. There are some people who are, uh, due to their makeup, their personal makeup, their personal health condition and whatever, who they react adversely if they are forced to receive some of those vaccines. Vaccines should be applied on a need-to-need basis. And at the same time, uh, the other concern we also have that are associated with uh, general vaccination are the fact that, number one, uh, the current vaccines being proposed for COVID-19, none of them has been approved yet. Uh, they are still undergoing trials, and they are rushing the trials. That is a big concern to us. Normally, when the when vaccines are released, the first thing is to do animal trials, and animal trials usually go through four stages. Uh, then human trials in a small population of human beings, then a medium-sized population of human beings, then a large-sized population of human beings, and four things are tested. The first one is the the uh, uh, the kind of reaction that uh, the vaccine will elicit 
generating antibodies from the recipient. The second one is the ability of the recipient after the vaccine to be able to withstand an actual live viral infection. And the third one are the collateral damages that the vaccine can cause in the person's body uh, because the vaccine may actually be effective against a virus, but the vaccine may also cause other damages. It can elicit autoimmune disorder, for example. It can elicit liver damage, it can elicit kidney damage. You know, uh, that's the third thing to be examined, the collateral damages that may arise, adverse effects that may arise, even though it may be effective against the particular microorganism for which it was uh, uh, developed. And then the final one is the epigenetic effect. The fact that a person, because the particular vaccine being proposed right now, many of them are RNA vaccines, which are supposed to be the genetic material of the virus, infused with the genetic material of human beings that receive the vaccine, which uh, through a process of uh, electroporation, uh, which I personally consider as genetic modification. Now, if there is a genetic modification in an individual, it may not generate an adverse effect or manifest any disease in that individual. The effect may manifest in the offspring of that individual. That is the epigenetic effect. So apart from measuring the likely uh, adverse effects that may show up in the individual, we also need to wait to see the next generation of those who have been vaccinated. That can only be verified in, the, in animal studies, not in human studies. And when all of that has been checked in animals and we see that it didn't affect the animals, it didn't affect their children, their grandchildren, their great-grandchildren. Uh, then we can do human trials, and then it can be approved for use. But this particular one for COVID-19 has not gone through any animal trial, and yet they are moving straight to human trial. That's a big concern for us because the risks are very, very high. Uh, the, the, the danger that may cause may even be more than the danger we are trying to prevent at the end of the day. It is COVID-19 we want to solve. Now we are creating a scenario that can create a worse situation than even the COVID-19 we are trying to address. Uh, we are also beginning to, uh, the second concern we have is that people, I mean, the people who are shouting vaccine, vaccine all over the place, are making it look like vaccine is the only solution that we can have. And we are saying no. Solutions can come from three natural sources, apart from the fourth, which is the supernatural. We believe in God and we are praying to God to bring an end to COVID-19 upon the globe. But apart from the supernatural intervention, God has given human beings wisdom to also be able to develop solutions. And those natural solutions can come from three different sources. Number one, it can come from the forest. You can have herbal remedies. We can have nutritional remedies, vitamins, minerals like zinc, like vitamin C, natural substances like ginger, garlic, like artemisia, anua, artemisia, afra. These are all herbs that we can explore and find solutions in the forest. The second source of solution can come from the ground. We can get minerals and even petrochemicals that pharmaceutic, pharma, I mean, pharmacists can use to synthesize pharmaceutical drugs. For, I mean, we have so many antiviral pharmaceutical drugs out there. And we can develop a similar one for COVID-19 if necessary. That's the second possibility. The third source of solution is the laboratory, where vaccines are coming from. So if we have three sources where we can explore solutions, one from the forest, one from the ground, and one from the laboratory, why are we making it sounding like it's only the laboratory solution that is viable, that the others are not viable? At the end of the day, Africa has a lot of forest resources that we can explore, and this solution will be available and affordable and probably carry less risk and can be developed in a shorter frame of time than vaccines. Whereas vaccine development can go on, but the other thing is that other developments can also go on as well. I was particularly happy recently when I received uh, 
uh, this gen general SMS from NCDC. Initially, they would tell us until a vaccine is developed, stay safe. Now they have changed it until a safe drug is developed, stay safe. Initially, they were making it look like it's only vaccine we must be looking at. And now we know that it's not only vaccine, it can be other things. That's the second area we are addressing. The third area we are addressing is that when vaccines are developed, as we know in the past, vaccines are loaded with adjuvants. These adjuvants include mercury, aluminum, material from uh, aborted babies, so many things, formaldehyde, that are very toxic to the body. Any vaccine that they will bring this way should please be devoid of those toxic adjuvants so that vaccine injury can be reduced or minimized at the end of the day if we find one that is effective and safe. And the first concern we have is the certificate that will be generated when the person is mandatorily vaccinated. I mean, because at the end of the day, if you get any vaccine, for example, yellow fever vaccine, you are supposed to have the yellow fever vaccine certificate, which you carry with you when you travel to certain countries because they may not admit you into those countries without your yellow fever vaccination. Now, if we are going to have COVID-19 vaccination, we hope that they are not going to insist that they want to introduce a digital certificate because now they are saying that paper certificate is doubtful. People are faking it. People are getting fake certificates. So they will now want to add a digital certificate. That's another concern we have. Uh, even though that is not expressly stated in the proposed bill before the National Assembly, that with given the power given to the DG, he can bring anything on board at any time at his women caprices, you know, at his any any time he wants it. And so we feel that if a digital certificate is produced, that will mean that people may be forced when they get vaccinated to also receive a chip implant, a microchip implant that will be the digital certificate in their body. Even if I want to take a vaccine, why do you implant a chip into my body for the sake of receiving a vaccine? That's another thing we're also crying against. This must not ever come on board and the bill must be very explicit in making it abundantly clear that nobody will be forced to receive a chip implant in their body even if they choose to vaccinate and if anybody is going to receive the chip, chip implant let it be their choice it should not be forced on them these are some of the concerns that we are talking about i was trying to kind of itemize everything you were saying there's a lot you've mentioned the most the last piece about the digital certificate that should be by right. choice. But I'm hearing also the overriding issue of <coughs> one must have a choice. It should be man mandatory. That's right. We must That's be right. fully aware of the issues before we even give consent. Issues That's regarding... Informed consent. Informed, informed consent. consent. Issues, and that should include what is in the vaccine. What are the reactions to expect? Everything inside that vaccine. What has science proven is in the vaccine? What has science proven it can cause in terms of reaction side effects? I mean, you mentioned collateral damage, whether it's kidney, liver, um, brain, self, the neurologic damage that we've seen historically. You mentioned yes. the epigenetic component. In fact, Doc, if you will let me bring this in, there was a study, you know, that was conducted in 2004 in Canada on one of the earlier coronaviruses when they developed an RNA vaccine and administered it on animals, ferrets, you know, F-E-R-R-E-T-S. These animals develop similar symptoms to human beings when exposed to coronaviruses. They have, you know, acute uh, respiratory uh, syndrome. And um, these animals, were, they were tested. The, the vaccine was tested on them in 2004, about 15 years ago, and it was a big disaster. 
No, when they, they, they vaccinated those animals, they actually elicited a lot of uh, immune response. They had a lot of antibodies and everybody was happy that this was working. Then number two, they exposed those animals to live coronaviruses and the animals were able to, you know, overpower the viruses. The viruses didn't cause any disease in them, which was another second thing that was very cheery. And then number three, they found out that a few weeks after, all the animals without exception developed acute liver inflammation and they all died. They had multiple organ systems shut down and they died. So the first stage could not even be tested to see the effect on their children. And that was why that test on animals was abandoned in 2004. It is published right there online at government website in the, in the USA, NIH, National Institute of Health, a government website, website in America. That study is published there. Anybody can access it. Now, with that experience, historically, uh, we are concerned that today, human studies, human trials are being commenced, and people are not being informed properly to get their informed consent. We are being used as guinea pigs, and that's why we are crying as the voice for the voiceless. That this is not right. This is not right whatsoever. For the folks who want to verify that study, go to pubmed.gov, P-U-B-M-E-D.gov. That's the NIH website, and you can find that study. This issue of in informed consent. To really have informed consent, all the information must be present. Indications, right. the side effects, the adverse re reactions on all the organ systems. And yes, this takes clearly a very long time to achieve. So in the race to get something for us, for everybody, vaccination against COVID-19. What you're saying is none of these steps should be compromised. Follow the usual pathway. Don't compromise it and later on we pay a higher price. At what Definitely. point, now, if the death rate from COVID-19 reaches one million, at one point we do say, listen, the benefit of the vaccine overweighs or outweighs the risk. Let's go ahead and just use it. Mm -hmm. At the same point, I think you would say, go ahead. There's too many deaths are going on. Mm -hmm. Is any point at which you, you Sorry, list? I didn't get that. All right. If the death rate of, from COVID escalates so bad, a million people, two, five, ten, twenty million people, at what yeah. point do we say, let's just go ahead and get this vaccine, fast track it, and let's use it? Because the benefits will outweigh the cost. Well, uh, let, me, let, me, let me come in from different perspectives. Number one, we have had a pandemic in the past on the, on the earth. This is not the first pandemic we are facing. And I keep asking the question, all the previous pandemic we had, how were they eliminated? Were they eliminated with vaccines? How many of them actually were eliminated with vaccines? How many were eliminated some other way? We've had Ebola in West Africa. We've had various other pandemics, the bubonic plague, and uh, so on and so forth. How many of them actually were eliminated by vaccines? Which means that outside of vaccines, there are other approaches that can help to contain pandemics, and we should be exploring that. We have a lot of lessons that we have learned historically, and we can we can latch on those. Then, regarding COVID-19 in particular, uh, from the few things we have discovered since it broke out, we we realize that number one, it is an RNA uh, virus, which is a single-stranded virus, which is very unstable and mutates very rapidly. Uh, therefore, vaccines are not even, in my view the most viable approach to addressing uh, an RNA virus. 
I mean, we've had HIV virus with us since the early 1980s, another RNA virus. How come we don't have a vaccine that is very uh, potent and safe uh, to prevent HIV till today? Why don't we have it? Why is it that it is uh, COVID-19 that we can suddenly develop a magic vaccine for within weeks or months? Now, we can fast track the production of vaccines because of advanced uh, knowledge and technology, but we definitely cannot fast track the testing. That we cannot do. So in my view, because COVID-19 has other ways that we can use to contain it, I personally believe that one of the things that our agencies, particularly the NCDC, should be telling us as Nigerians is how to strengthen our immunity. Because when the person is exposed to the virus, first of all, from the information we have, the person must have contacted approximately 100,000 uh, uh, units of the virus to, for, an, for an infection to be established. And then 80% of those who come in contact with the virus uh, remain asymptomatic until the virus is finally wiped out by their immune system. So it's a battle between the immune system and the virus. And if a person's immune system is strong, the person stands a good uh, fighting chance. It's those whose immunity have been compromised or who have comorbidities, underlying health challenges that have already wrecked their immunity, that becomes, uh, uh, you know, very highly vulnerable. And those are the people that must be protected. These are the pieces of information I believe people should have, rather than churning out statistics that will create fear in the minds of people and make them ready to accept anything whenever it comes. I don't think that there should be a time uh, as far as COVID-19 is concerned, where we can begin to administer an untested and unproven vaccine. Just such a time should never be, because we have other things we can do to boost immunity. I mean, so far in Nigeria, look at the number of people who have tested positive, number of people who have recovered. I look, at, I look at the statistics on a weekly basis, and I'm impressed with the number of people who are beating this COVID-19 hands down, which means that the off-label treatment that uh, the, our medical people, the frontline workers, are currently administering uh, the isolation centers uh, is actually producing fantastic results even though we are still awaiting the final outcome and analysis but the combination of zinc vitamin c and the uh, hydroxychloroquine and some antibiotic and what have you and other lifestyle and dietary adjustments is already showing that many people are beating this in hands down so since we know that there are things we can do to boost immunity i think we'd rather be focusing on that rather than threading the path of uh, taking uh, a risk that the outcome we may not be able to estimate uh, up front. Reverend, there's a lot more to talk about. Uh, we have questions. Time is, is, is against us. Reverend, can we continue this dialogue on Zoom, on IG this afternoon? If that's possible. No problem. No problem. All right. Folks, 3 p.m. on Zoom. Check our handles for the code to join at Wellness Half Hour. We'll continue this conversation 3 p.m. on Zoom. Follow us, check our handles for the code to join at Wellness Half Hour. This is a potent subject. We'll touch it again next week on um, Sunday. Reverend has touched so many areas we need to discuss. Yes, the prevention area, the options, the natural options, earth options, other lab options, the consequences that we'll face if we you know, open the wrong door here epigenetic consequences, damage to the organ systems, safety. Right. And folks, you can see this is a wide coalition. Even the folks from the states, the Governors Forum were present. Labor Congress. This is a major issue. And I believe Reverend has our interest massively at heart. This coalition 
we appreciate all who have come together to form the No Mandatory Vaccination Niger Nigeria. Reverend Tony Akiyemi, the ch chairperson, chairman of this organization, thank you very, very much. Co-chairman. We, we are three chairmen, co-chairmen. <laughs> okay, please just share the other two chairpersons. Please name them. We have uh, Professor Joshua Ujo of the Obafemi Miawolowo University. He's a professor of health physics. And then we have Dr. Adeni Yogini, who is a medical doctor and a PhD holder in public health, who is in Oshun State in Oshobo. Those are the other two co-chairmen. Folks, we have several other erudite scholars, professors, medical doctors, journalists, lawyers, people from all walks of life, pharmacists. All of us are involved in this movement. This is the true people's movement for the health and well-being of our country. And this, if done right, could allow us to build proper structures in terms of vaccine manufacturing, vaccine preparation, vaccine testing, and using our own brain and natural resources to develop preventive and treatment measures for COVID-19 and more that will come beyond today. Reverend, thank you very much. 3 p.m., folks on Zoom and IG will continue this dialogue with Reverend Tony Akiyemi, co-chairman of the No Mandatory Vaccination Niger movement. Thank you very, very much. Thank you. To our listeners on Wellness Half Hour. Thank you for listening. Um, couldn't take any questions, but join us on those on the platform we just mentioned at 3 p.m. and we'll take lots of questions we'll all learn some more it's a journey we all want to the goal is to let everyone be educated awareness education understanding the issues so you make sound decisions you know what to say to your children to your grandchildren let's make this a true community decision in our favor in our health interest with all the facts on ground dr patrick ijewere have a blessed sunday see you at 3 p.m on Zoom and Instagram at Wellness Half Hour. Be blessed. We're the talk of the town. Inspiration. Inspiration. 92.3 FM. Looking at going here. Looking at giving a year. Looking at going here. Do people still do that? No, no, no. Ah, come on now. You are she doing this? Advertising has gone digital, my friend. Where be that? With Inspiration FM Lagos, Nigeria's most listened to urban radio station. We take it a notch higher. We give your business the visibility it deserves. This is how it works. Get your product, hit your target, and get millions of new customers chasing your business. Wouldn't you rather work with us? Do you have a product or service you want to advertise or get across your audience? Looking for the right audience to get your message passed to? Don't look farther because Inspiration 92.3 FM Lagos is ready to make that happen for you. Remember, more people bridged, more patronage, more money for you. All you need to do is call 080-989-2393 or 081-61-336843 or you can send an email to info at ifm93.com You could also come to a marketing department at Amazing Grace Plaza, number 2E to 4E Ligali Ayorinde Street, Victoria Island, Lagos.
with my newly wedded wife. This is madness. Hmm. My husband wants me to leave my job. And he doesn't even earn enough to take care of the entire family. How does he expect us to cope? <laughs> so I'm in my 20s and I'm not interested in getting married. And everyone is telling me I must be mad. But wait, wait, not force to marry. I know what. Not by force. See, I got issues. Real issues. So let's talk about it. Share a life issues. Weekend special. 7 p.m. on Saturday and Sunday on Inspiration 92.3. Lassa fever might be closer than we think. This infection caused by rodents that carry the disease have very dire effects and can not only harm you, but everyone around you. If you're experiencing headaches, fever, diarrhea, stomach pains, or cough, you may be affected by Lassa fever and you need to see a doctor immediately. You can prevent Lassa fever. Keep a clean environment at all times and make sure to properly store your food. Always ensure garbage is properly disposed of and that your surrounding areas are clean at all times. Don't be afraid to lend a helping hand to your neighbor or members of your community in helping them clean up their environment as well. We can prevent Lassa fever. We can prevent it together. This message is brought to you by your number one family radio, Inspiration 92.3 FM. 92.3 Inspiration FM, Nigeria's number one family radio station. Salty hair. 